In an age of moral bankruptcy, political sleaze, theological confusion, and aimless religion in a mindless church, we're addressing the need for a Bible-based, intellectually rigorous, 21st century Christian faith. This is Sinners and Saints. Theology with an edge. In 1990, a small group of people set out to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to Southern Californians in a non-traditional, non-church environment. And with little more than personal experience, deep conviction, and great vision, they pursued their simple strategy of representing Christ's timeless message in a contemporary format. A plan evolved for a casual evening of upbeat music, genuine worship, and a clear presentation of biblical messages. This became the Harvest Crusade. Did you catch it last weekend? We're going to talk about the Harvest Crusade tonight. You're listening to Sinners and Saints on 99.5 FM, KKLA. Hi, this is Reverend John Sautel, pastor of Congregational Life and Outreach at First United Reformed Church of Chino. We are a Protestant, Bible-based, family-oriented church committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are located just off the 60 Freeway at Mountain Avenue in Chino. We worship at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. every Sunday. If you'd like more information about our church, give us a call at 866-99-UNITED. That's 866-99-UNITED. We thank you for joining us tonight on Sinners and Saints. I'm Adam Kalustian with John Sautel and Moses Jambazian. We're pastors of local United Reformed Churches, and we could not miss the opportunity to talk to you tonight about the Harvest Crusade was around town. Maybe you've seen the bumper stickers. Uh, It's all started, you know, at a time when many in America were questioning the effectiveness and the future of modern crusade evangelism. So Chuck Smith, big pastor of Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, and Greg Laurie, pastor of the Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, they believed that there was a great opportunity to conduct crusades for a new generation. The format would be contemporary, and while the crusades would be relevant for people of all ages, they would appeal particularly to young people. Now, we're looking at the ads for this Harvest Crusade last week, and we want to share with you some of our favorite parts. Well, my biggest problem was I went to the wrong weekend because people wouldn't update their stickers, so I didn't have the right dates. So uh, this is all news to me that this even happened. (laughs) You know, I include myself in that new generation of people that uh, they're trying to reach out. And I guess what attracted me was those... uh, 20-foot vert ramps uh, on Edison Stadium floor there. I I was really drawn by that whole X-crowd feel that they had there. The vert ramps, the BMX, the motocross, you know, because that's the kind of stuff that I relate to. Yeah, that's the Summerfest activities. You can go there and you can have a great old time and, you know, you've got the motorcycles, the bikes, the skateboards and everything else. And, of course, this says Jesus to me. Well, I, you know... I went there for the alternative musicians like uh, Delirious and Switchfoot. Oh, and wait, Pac- wait, wait. Did you catch Tree 63's performance? No, but PAX 217 was there, and I was really appreciative of that. That was part of the Harvest Jam where I could bring my I'll children. I'll bet you that really got you uh, raising your hands, didn't it? That's exactly right. I mean, I hope you didn't miss the freestyle motocross exhibit, the pro skateboard exhibition, the sports zone, the kids zone, and the food court. I think this is more activities than I had at Disneyland last time I went. <laughs> 
The yeah. best part, it's all for free, though. You see, you don't have to pay a parking pass. You don't have a registration fee. Nothing. You just show up for free, and you get all these activities. They even had free bounce house for the kids. But we have to tell you that we were sorely disappointed. We were let down this year because some of the things that we, we have come to expect from the Harvest Crusade just weren't there this time. Well, I think one of the problems this time was that it was just one day and they didn't even fill the stadium. And I just didn't really feel like rededicating my life to Jesus if he wasn't popular anymore. I mean, the whole thing hinges on there being enough excitement in the air to make the gospel attractive to unbelievers. And you can't do that with only 30,000 people in a stadium. And I mean, maybe they could have had Jessica Simpson. After all, her dad's a pastor. I mean, that definitely says Christ is here. That would have attracted... Hundreds of thousands, I'm sure, especially if it was free. But let's cut to the chase. Enough of the sort of false humor. The point is that the Harvest Crusades, which have become a fixture in the Southern California evangelical landscape, are really unorthodox and unbiblical and cause long-term damage to the Christian church. We have a serious problem. With the Harvest Crusades. Well, here's the problem. It's this amusement park mentality that you think that you have to sort of set up in order to get people attracted to Christ. And so what you end up having is like like the articles I'll talk about. The performance motorcycle stunts, the skateboard exhibitions, and then this raucous sing-along time for worship. And somehow the premise is that if you attract this guy who won't go to church, but he might show up to a sports stadium, if you just do it on, on a common ground on his turf kind of a thing, then you'll bring him to Christ. But the problem is you're never going to get him into the church because what he's attracted to is the very thing that's the opposite of the church. It's this entertainment circus-like atmosphere, and, and that's what he's being attracted to. And you never know whether he's ever attracted to Christ. Well, of course, unless your church also has been turned into a circus, which in many cases in Calvary chapels, that's what's happened. Uh, they've departed from the historic Christian understanding, the biblical understanding of what worship is, what uh, worship service should be like. So when you go to their uh, church, it looks like a rock concert. And the message is watered down enough so that it will not offend those who are perfectly comfortable living and acting out in the unbelieving culture. One of the problems that you deal with is the fact that your ministers at this point don't really believe that the gospel has the power to save sinners. And that shows by all the games that they're playing. And you can see just from the list that we gave you of the things, the attractions that they had. So if the ministers don't believe it, there's no reason for the people to believe it has any value. And consequently, this is what you have, is this very cheapened Christianity where everybody can claim to be a Christian and yet nobody even knows what it is. I want to think about this idea where they're saying, want people to come in a comfortable environment to hear the gospel preached. I mean, on their website, you know, this in doing this crusade, we hope to provide a place for unsafe friends and relatives to come and hear a clear and precise gospel presentation in a comfortable setting. Well, you cannot preach the law and the gospel to unbelievers and them be comfortable. That's an oxymoron to have a comfortable presentation, uh, evangelistic presentation. People have to be convicted of their sin and their need for Christ, and they cannot do that in a in a context of just everything being happy-go-lucky. But you see, that whole critique falls on deaf ears because they are so encouraged by the quote-unquote success and the great and wild popularity, which is indicated in the numbers, that they can't see through the shallowness of this way of presenting the gospel. They just see that the numbers were there. Oh, and by the way, they recorded over 3,400 supposed conversions. And so that seems now to be the justification. Well, if this is what it takes, we rent out a big stadium, we give people a free pass to get in, and uh, we just give them entertainment, 
But the problem is that entertainment is being consumed by Christians, not the world. Well, and you know that success is even questionable. The Orange County Register had that article saying that they expected over or up to upwards of 100,000 people that would come to this crusade. They were lucky if they actually got 30,000. And you know, it's the same 30,000 people that are going to their churches all across Southern California anyway. I mean, the, the great thing is that they supposedly market this to this Generation X culture, and they have the skateboarders, and they have the bicyclers, and they have the... And the fact of the matter is, it's just a bunch of uh, white kids from the suburbs in the 909 who are trying to be down with the whole X Generation movement culture, who are actually just a bunch of posers. Evangelical posers. And, you know, the proof of this is... If this was really attracting that crowd, there would be millions of people showing up to these events. But you're getting 30,000 over a, you know, a free event in a stadium. Nobody's going to these things except the evangelicals. And another thing, it's not new. It's not new at all. It's just recycled, rehashed 19th century revivalism, this kind of games and gimmicks that have never succeeded in the church and actually have set the church back from being faithful to Scripture. When we come back, we'll make the connections for you between old 19th century revivalism and the Harvest Crusades. This is Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. Are you looking for a church that values the Word of God and the rediscovery of its riches in the Protestant Reformation? Hi, I'm Pastor Adam Kalustian. I want to invite you to join us at the Ontario United Reformed Church. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. and 5.30 p.m., Take the Euclid Avenue exit off the 60 freeway, go north one block to Philadelphia Street, turn right, and you'll see us. That's the Ontario United Reformed Church, 866-99-UNITED. Welcome back, sinners and saints. We're glad you're with us. We're talking about the Harvest Crusades, and as we said, they are nothing more than the rehashed, recycled garbage of 19th century failed revivalism. I want to take it back actually a couple centuries before that, back to the 16th century. This is something that was used at the time of the Reformation. One of the things that really spurred the Reformation on was Luther's objection to the way in which people like Tetzel were selling indulgences. They would come into a town and they would literally scare the hell out of people and tell them if they didn't buy these indulgences to try to secure their own salvation or to secure the release from purgatory of their friends and neighbors and family members that they were going to go to hell eternally. And so they came into town with their trumpets and their fire and brimstone sermons and their dramas and every tactic they could use to persuade and to coerce people into accepting this decision to buy the indulgence. During the Second Great Awakening in the United States, you still had that same type of mentality of just pushing and pushing and getting people's emotions riled up and making them commit before they went home, which is essentially if you've ever gone buying shopping for a car, that's a sales tactic that's used. You're not allowed to leave until you make a decision because they know if you leave, you won't come back. So it's this idea of get people to sign on the dotted line, and that's what this whole thing is set up to do. Yeah, the method of evangelism in this system doesn't start with asking the question, what glorifies God and what are his methods uh, to reach out to the lost from the scripture? It starts with, what works? What can I do? What environment can I set up that will result in people responding? The thing is, we want people to hear the gospel. We want to see God is sovereignly working out the redemption of sinners whom he has elected. The problem is these guys aren't really getting people saved. They're getting people to say a prayer or sign a card. 
And that's what they are looking at. That's the key for them or the criteria by which they judge and not so much the honor of God or real regeneration. Now, just to demonstrate to you that we're not pulling this critique out of thin air, I went on the harvest.org uh, website and I read their steps for how to know God. We can go over some of that in a moment, but it's this prayer thing that Moses was talking about here. And, and you've got to read it so that this really sinks in. They are trying to wring out a cheap decision for you. This is what they say after you read these steps for how to know God. They say, pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died for my sins. And right now, I turn from my sins and I open the door of my heart and life. I open the door of my heart and life. After I've been whipped up into this frenzy, after I've been terrified of of the anguish and the torments of hell, I decide that I'm going to open my heart and well, let of, Jesus in. Well, one of the great tricks with this also is, you know, sometimes they tell you, put your head down and, you know, no one's watching, raise your hand. So, of course, you raise your hand. Then, okay, everybody, you know, open up your eyes. Okay, now those of you who raised your hand secretly, raise them again to show you're really dedicated. It's complete sales pressure. It's like putting people in the spot and making them do things that they're not really prepared to do. And the key to this whole thing now is once you have uh, coerced them and manipulated them into raising their hands and bowing their eyes and bowing their head and closing their eyes, is then you get them to quick rush out and to register that decision for Christ. So then now everybody knows that you are uh, in the kingdom. You've got that fire insurance that you needed. Underlying a lot of the, the problems that we see with this, you know, invitation system is that the actual theology of the people who support the system is not biblical. They have, in many cases, departed from the basic teachings of the Bible about what salvation is, what regeneration is, what the Christian life is. It's no wonder that then their methods reflect their bad theology. You also have to look and say, why is it the United States has produced more cults in a 100 years than the whole rest of church history has done? And you go back and you look, it's because of this revivalism, this cheap, easy decision that you make. Um, decisional regeneration is a theological term we use, where as long as you prayed the prayer or you went on your knees, you're saved. Well, when people go home, they don't feel any different. Now they're looking for other experiences. Now they're open up to anything, trying to find something to give them assurance that they've been saved. Hence, they go into all this weird Pentecostal stuff, charismatic stuff, and ultimately all the cults. Charles Finney was a great revivalist in the United States great in the sense of very influential, and he is looked up to as a hero in many ways by the great uh, evangelistic leaders, Billy Graham, uh, Greg Laurie, Chuck Smith. In Finney's introduction to his systematic theology, he was talking about thinking through in his life as a pastor the basic doctrines of Christianity, and he said this, I'm quoting it, I often said to myself, if these things are really taught in the Bible, I must be an infidel. In other words, he had studied the basic doctrines of the Christian faith and said, if these things are really true, how they've been historically understood, then I must be an infidel. He redefined the basic teachings of the Bible and then based on those came up with a system through which he supposedly would reach out and get people saved. He was the forerunner of the Harvest Crusades, of the whole invitation system, and this is what people are getting suckered into thinking that it's Christianity, but it is not. Okay, well, let's throw out one of his, just to get practical and concrete about this, let's just throw out one of his theological convictions, which really is at the foundation of this whole manipulation process, and that is the idea that though they pay lip service to this, and you can even read this on how to know God thing, you have to say, oh, I'm a sinner and I repent and stuff, but basically they don't really believe you're that bad. 
And that was Finney's premise. Though you may be a sinner, and though you may have done sinful acts, you are not in the position where God has to regenerate you. You're not that bad off. You can regenerate yourself. And so regeneration now becomes this mechanical process where we turn down the lights low, or we give the thunder, hailfire and thunder and brimstone sermons, and we coerce a decision out of people who are capable of making a decision for Christ. Keep in mind, Finney is even beyond an Arminian. He's what we would call a Pelagian. He believed that man was totally free to make any decision that you were not bound according to your nature. And so for him, it was merely manipulate the person or convince him of his need, get him to make a decision. That's the method he developed. And he knew that it would only be effective for a short amount of time. And he even realized if you did this too many times, eventually you would burn out the area. And he was planning on Christ coming and establishing a millennial kingdom within a few short years after he began. So even Finney knew that his system was going to fail long term, and the evidence is now clear by the very shallow Christianity of America. And the shallowness of this whole thing is the whole entertainment context in which the gospel, pro- the so-called gospel proclamation is made. By the time these people are done with a whole day out through Summerfest and, and the swinging rock music, and then they finally get to the gospel presentation, it's very difficult to know whether they're able to make an intelligent decision for Christ, because it seems that after all the entertainment it's difficult for them to decipher the difference between the amusing, fun time they had at the ballpark and their real need for Jesus Christ. Are they making a decision for a fun, lively entertainment atmosphere, or are they making a decision for the one who saves them from eternal condemnation? And that's what gets uh, clouded and muddled in this entire uh, approach to evangelism. Well, and the proof of that is the thousands upon thousands that come to these crusades every year and have to rededicate their life to Christ because they don't know if they really did it enough the first time. Listen, I did this growing up. When I was young, I maybe accepted Christ into my heart seven, eight times. Now, they always said, you only need to do it once. You only need to do it once. But I never knew if I had done it enough. And this system just sort of propagates that kind of doubt and that that false understanding of true faith. Because your faith is never sure that it's resting upon Christ and his righteousness alone, or is it resting upon the trappings of the environment in which you heard the gospel proclamation? Now, we are not saying on this show that it doesn't happen, that in spite of the you know false theology, in spite of the false methods, uh, that people don't actually come to faith in Christ at some of these events. We are, are thankful that the Lord works through his word in spite of uh, some of the disobedience of those who would uh, seek even to promote it. But we're wondering what it's going to take for Southern California to realize that this kind of perversion of the Bible's basic teachings and these kind of of new methods uh, to recognize that these are not acceptable and not to just sort of take it in stride that these big events are good things that are happening. Wake up and think. We'll wrap up our discussion of the Harvest Crusades when we come back. Reformation Radio. Theology with an edge. Come to worship God at the Pasadena United Reformed Church. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. Hear the gospel faithfully preached. Rejoice in the God of your salvation. Come and join us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. We are located at 226 West Colorado in Arcadia off the Santa Anita exit of the 210 freeway. Call us at 866-99-UNITED or visit us at urcsocal.org. Hi, this is Pastor Bureau of Grace Evangelical Church in Torrance. We are a new Reformed church serving all of South Bay. 
As a member of the United Reformed Churches of North America, Grace Evangelical Church emphasizes the preaching of the gospel, weekly administration of the Lord's Supper, catechism of our children, and emphasis on the singing of the psalms, all in a family-friendly atmosphere. Come, worship with us. You can reach us at area code 310-782-7019. We're glad you're back on Sinners and Saints. Adam Kalustian with John Sautel and Moses Jambazian. We're pastors in local United Reformed Churches. We're in Pasadena, in Chino, and in Ontario. Get in touch with us by calling 866-99-UNITED, 866-99-UNITED. Well, you're hearing us critique the Harvest Crusades, and I know you're thinking, well, where are the Reformed, the Calvinistic Harvest Crusades? Don't you people care about evangelism? At least the Harvest Crusades are doing something. Yeah, we believe that evangelism takes place every Sunday in the pulpit. We believe that every time the Word of God is preached, the gates of the kingdom of, of heaven are, are opening up, and that Christ's voice is ringing within the walls of the church, and that's exactly how people get converted and saved. Yeah, but how are all these people out there in the world going to get into the church? I mean, we're trying to at least draw these people in. What are you people doing? Well, there's this assumption that you're supposed to be drawing in masses of people to hear the evangelist, but that's not the case. It is you are talking to those whom you know, and you are inviting them to come hear the word of God preached each week. That is what Christians are called to do. If people meet somewhere to discuss these things, of course we go and discuss with them, but we don't put on gimmicks to get them. Yeah, you don't find the Apostle Paul renting out giant amphitheaters in Corinth or Athens or wherever else he went, putting on gigantic, dramatic productions and and then inviting the whole community in so that they can, quote, hear the gospel and receive Jesus into their heart. He goes and he preaches the word. He also goes to places where people are debating these very items. He goes to where people want to know and want to argue it. He doesn't do sales tactics to get them. Yeah, we actually distinguish, you see, between things that we can enjoy in the creation and feeling like we have to baptize them and turn them into means of evangelism. Yeah, you know what? If you want to go to the X Games and enjoy the vert skating or the BMX or the motocross or anything, go. Go enjoy it. If you want to go but to a leave concert, it there. If you want to go to a concert, go. Get to know people and invite them to church the next day, but the concert isn't church. And you can't turn church into the concert. What we really believe is that the gospel does need to go forth. That's what we're commanded to do. But we believe it has to be done as God ordained it in a manner which gives him the glory and the honor in a manner which is not by a false theology, man-centered, trying to manipulate people in their emotions. We want to preach something that God will be honored by, and that is the true gospel. Yeah, here's an idea. Why don't you act like a normal person and have normal relationships with people out in the culture and then maybe they'll listen to you when you finally invite them to church. Yeah, stop looking at people as projects that need to be saved. Actually befriend them. Actually believe that there is a common grace world in which we live and be concerned for them as human beings. And then as they get to know you and you get to know them and you engage in legitimate conversation, then you can tell them, I am a believer. Come and hear what that is. Come and hear the preaching of the word at my church. Now, of course, this presumes that the church you are in is preaching the gospel according to the scriptures, which might be a pretty tough sell given that you live in Southern California. But, you know, you can always find us. We're willing to have you and your unbelieving friends here to hear the gospel, the law and the gospel preached very clearly according to what the Christian church has always believed according to the scripture, and we'd be happy to meet you to do that. And what we believe is that it is through this preached word that the Spirit of God is actually going to work in the hearts of unbelievers. It is through the means of grace that God has appointed 
where sinners will be regenerated and saved. And instead of you opening up the door of your heart, when the true gospel is preached, God through the Holy Spirit will open your heart and you will be saved. You can rest on that rock-solid foundation. We thank you for joining us and we will see you next week. Join us next week as we tackle more topics with the truth of God's Word on Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. For more information, call 866-99-UNITED or log on to the web at urcsocal.org. That's 866-99-UNITED.